Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast where we dissect who framed Roger Rabbit with special guest Jason Schwartz. That's right. This is Who Analyzed Roger Rabbits. We are at minute 37. As always, I am Chris Blair, and I am here, as always, with Andy McMullen. Hello, hello. And joining us this week, improv extraordinaire, my improv coach. Also mine. Yes, both of our improv coaches (laughs) on different teams. Uh, Please welcome the legendary... Shots. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jason, what is your relationship with the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I think it's definitely a movie that I saw when I was a kid. Um, uh, I really, I really dug it. Um, uh, it's funny, you know, you bringing this up because during the um, pandemic, uh, there was a, a group of friends and we started like hanging out. I think I told you about it, Chris. We were, we were hanging out like, you started off like once a week and then it was twice a week. And then it started being like three or four times a week. We were Zooming together and, and it got kind of weird at a certain point. Like we were <laughs> playing trivia and then super involved trivia. And then we were playing online trivia through another company. And then we started a, like a movie club and we went through a series of uh, a movie club where every week somebody picked uh, a childhood movie, a movie from your childhood, and somebody in our group picked this movie. So I feel like I saw it maybe six months ago, maybe six or seven months ago um, was the last time I watched it. Um, and I think seeing it again, you know, I hadn't seen it for a while, but seeing it like, as an adult was like, like, oh, my God, yeah, this was a phenomenal, amazing it was fun, too, because I think people that hadn't seen it, I think almost everyone had seen it, but people that hadn't seen it were like, this was unbelievably great. Like, so wonderful. It's better than it should be, I think. You know? Yeah, for sure. It has such a tight script. Yeah. Uh, which I think just, this was the time where Robert Zemeckis was just <laughs> knocking everything right out. Uh, he was for sure one great movie after another. For sure. It's definitely like a all the stars aligned situation because yeah, the script is amazing, um, you know. But if you don't have um, if you don't have Bob, it's gonna not be good. Right. If if you don't, if if we talk a lot about how if it was made today, it would be too much CGI and it would have that weird uncanny valley situation. It wouldn't be good. Like it if it wasn't made right then with those people. It wouldn't be good. Right. And then it I has think, no reason being good. Yeah. And then also yeah. to think about that time period when they were able to allow, I'm, I'm assuming so it's probably Warner and Disney and all these companies to agree to allow all this stuff to get used was, that would never happen again. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, it's, so it's, it's wild to see it. Yeah. Really the magic of Steven Spielberg getting people to work together. Right. It's like, it's like Kendall Jenner with a Pepsi. You know, right. you can right. just bring, bring any, anyone, stop solve a, any problem. Stop a riot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. We're here with Minute 37. Minute 37 begins with Eddie saying, all I did was take a couple of lousy pictures. Mm-hmm. And it ends with him getting into his bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, watching it again, I think, highlights the fact that 
it's really bringing home for me that he's not that great of a detective. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he stumbles into this clue. You know? Mm. He's not like, he's not, he's not really sitting there bothered like, I've got, I've got to solve this case. He's like, oops. Yeah. And then he, he sees a clue. If he right. did not have his drinking problem, he never would have found this clue. And it's a good point. Like, maybe if before when he was drinking, he would have been really on the ball, and now he has to rely on accidents uh, to well, get things done. I, I love that because it's it, it's so, like, layered, right? Like, it's a – is there a word for, like, a visual pun? Because it's – it's such a, it's a play on words, right? It's like he found the answer at the bottom of a drink, which yeah. is literally something people say all the time. Like, oh, you're not going to find an answer at the bottom of a bottle. And it's like, yeah. well, Eddie Valiant might. He did just now. Um, and it's such a clever little gag that is probably missed by people who are not watching it minute by minute every mm -hmm. week for eternity like mm -hmm. us but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's fantastic and that's like one of the things i love the most about this movie it has so many of those there's a couple coming up in the next minute too um and it's it also relies on eddie being like pretty physically awkward again uh if bob wasn't previously a clown i i think it would have been clumsy uh but he's you know getting off his um holster in a really like weird awkward way in his mm -hmm. chair and that's the reason he leans over the glass in the first place like it's just it, uh, it's so clever to me like who mm -hmm. thinks of this stuff right mm -hmm. it, i think about that all the time I'm like i'm not smart enough to think of stuff like this yeah and i feel like too you know speaking of speaking of spielberg who i've i've read as one of those directors that's like you know he doesn't really plan out the day he doesn't really know, like he's, he's very much like get in the room and then move the camera around. But when you look at something like this, everything had to be so incredibly pre-planned. Everything had to be a specific way and a specific uh, um, order. So yeah. it's wild. Yeah, it is. It does. It is too one of those movies where you watch it like, God, this is so much work. So much work. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if we've talked about this ever, Chris, but like I love heist movies mm. for that reason, not because the movies are ever particularly good. I think they're generally not, but um, because I, I think heists are really clever, right? Like, and I want to know like how they pulled off the heist. And um, this has, to me, it's like, it's got that same kind of a vibe, but it's just like the best one. Mm -hmm. ever it's like writing a murder mystery novel you know or um or a heist movie or something and there's just all these little clues and yeah you have to like they had to have kind of pieced it all together backwards and i, I don't know yeah I'm, I'm just fascinated by it because i totally it. and we're so spoiled by heist movies now i feel like like this now it's got to be you've got to have a hell of a twists yeah for people where it's just not that interesting anymore we've seen we've been spoiled by too many great movies where it's kind of like oh that all paid off <laughs> nicely done and when right. you see a heist movie now that's like oh they they're fine yeah. there's there's no oh. stakes they're all right it was a jilted lover all right yeah mm -hmm. oh, okay yeah. Well, I think part of like this this movie's advantage is that it comes before that time when we're expecting everything to come together like that. So when mm -hmm. it does, it just has an extra effect. And like mm -hmm. when when the twist of this movie does come out, it's like, oh wow, okay, that that all made sense the entire time, and I'm seeing it now. I think you're also not expecting it from a movie that is 
is centered around a cartoon rabbit. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Howard the Duck did not have this kind of uh, <laughs> these kind of twists. True. Now that is a see, movie I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> I want to see uh, M. Night Shyamalan remake Howard the Duck. Mm. I think there's a lot of a lot of potential there. That that might be really good and bad at the same time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's already a sex scene in the original one, like. How dark does the Shyamalan one have to get? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's going to go places. <laughs> I <laughs> hope we find out. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's the hardest train wreck to look away from. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I wonder how Leah Thompson felt that day on the set too. Like <laughs> that she's that she's going to have a sex scene with a cartoon. Right. <laughs> and I don't know. I wonder if she was like, if it hit her that it was like, what's happened to me? Or if she was like, this is going to be a huge movie, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Hey, <laughs> you know? And probably yeah, after that, I just the- saw something about this, and I'm trying to like remember like her talking about this experience oh, yeah? recently. Oh, yeah? oh, wow. God. Wow. Well, I mean, she, she had that experience in Back to the Future where she had to hit on her son and then immediately go to sexing with a duck. So yeah. it was great right. times for they her. Were like, they were like, listen, we need an actress who's comfortable with some weird, freaky sex stuff. And they were right. like, Leah Thompson recently hit on her kid in a movie. She seems right? chill. I also love when I see Leah Thompson in Back to the Future, like, you know, um, oh, what is his name? The original guy who was supposed to be Marty McFly. Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz was her boyfriend. So they they were doing the movie together and then he got fired and then she had to keep doing the movie with a different actor and be like, like she's leaving for work every day, you know? Yeah, that's got to be him on the couch, hard. like, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. with my new boyfriend all day long <laughs> yeah i'm still in this movie yeah i guess I'm, I'm gonna pull this i'm gonna pull this up but it's gonna be super hard it's gonna be really hard to pretend to be attracted to michael j fox yeah that must have been rough for her she's like you're still my number one marty mcfly eric oh <laughs> i think you made her call him that at home mm-hmm <laughs> number one marty mcfly sure the real marty mm-hmm. you're the real marty oh man well i like to think that uh somehow marty changed the timeline and he used to look like eric stoltz but something happened within that timeline to uh there's, now there's a twist there's the Shyamalan twist <laughs> i like that theory mm-hmm uh, so speaking of theories and detective work, Eddie mm-hmm. gets his magnifying glass from his briefcase. His brother's, by the way, is right across the desk. He could have just reached over and not mm-hmm. have to do all this fumbling for it. Mm-hmm. This is not the moment he's he's disturbing that shrine. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's not touching that for this moment. Not a little too What's personal. It? Yeah. What was the show that was just happened recently that I saw that had a very similar situation where it was Perry Mason on HBO. I think he had like a s- similar situation where he has a detective with an o- he shares an office, but his old partner's gone. It might have even been his brother. I don't remember, but I, I watched that when it, it came out. I liked mm-hmm. it, but um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, give me a detective show. I'm in. Uh, right. Doesn't right. I have no comments? Right. This is a reboot of Perry Mason. Yeah. Right now, yeah. the original. Okay. Well, it's like a it's like a it's like a prequel to. The Perry Mason we all know. 
Oh, well, I like that Perry Mason was borrowing from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> could, could be. That's my. That's what I'm thinking now that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. So Eddie, Eddie gives up on uh, this. He looks at it, then something about him, I guess, just decides not to do, not to go for it. Right. Um, I guess doesn't want to get involved with tunes. His reaction after this is uh, he just rubs snot all over his face, deciding not to do this. Yeah. Also, if I'm remembering right, is it during the day that he's getting in bed? I feel like the sun is up. Yeah, the sun it feels is. like day. Yeah. yeah. He had a rough night, though. He was. Uh, oh, that's he was true. Sitting at his desk, drinking and being sad. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as a person where like a schedule at least in the traditional sense uh, is important which i bet if you're a detective if you're a private eye that's the lifestyle yeah you know yeah. You, get, you sleep when you can lately nocturnal i'm yeah, sure that's yeah. true that makes yeah. sense that makes sense yeah it's um it's really obvious too that someone is in bed with him um or someone is in his bed. We see those lumps moving right under the sheets. They're either, um, it's either a very, very tall, very, very thin person with very pointy breasts or a child, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. we're going human. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not the length, the, the points are not, which we know now, our feet, but uh, they're either the feet of a, sh of a very short uh, child or, um, or the boobs of a very tall, flat woman. Yeah, definitely, definitely one or the other. Yeah. I guess Roger was just sleeping in this bed with it up the entire time. Um, I don't know if, if he's going to be there anyway, why not just take the bed all the way down and go to it i mean eddie's gonna find him at one point or another why why sleep in this very uncomfortable position i mean maybe he just needs he needs to have that comedic moment you know uh, Good he's gotta have a payout no matter what he's always gonna have a payout <laughs> that's right i guess it wouldn't be funny if he was just sleeping in the bed with the bed down right we we have we we have had long conversations about this that we we think that like uh generally maybe tunes maybe they come in different flavors right like maybe this isn't true of all of them but there is a whole you know species if you will of tunes where like they're uh compelled or like it's compulsory that it has to be a joke it has to be funny mm -hmm. you know because because it's kind of the only way a lot of what they do makes sense is if they're just like are which in that's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like, it could be kind of torturous in a lot of situations. Sure. <laughs> where you just can't not be funny. I suffer from it sometimes where I have to make everything a joke. But uh, <laughs> I, I can reel it in occasionally. Mm -hmm. And I not being able to do that could, could really be rough. Sure. Mm. Do you think other cartoon characters have other similar deals? Like like a villain like Gargamel has to do everything a little bit evil. He can't do it unless it has like some sort of sinister twist to it. It has to be evil to the Smurfs specifically. Yeah. I mean yeah. I, well also just as a viewer, wouldn't it throw you off if you turned the Smurfs on and suddenly, you know, Gargamel wasn't doing that? I mean <laughs> blow your mind apart. You wouldn't know what was happening. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? What if what if Garfield just didn't want lasagna one day? Right? Like, ah! uh, yeah. Right? You'd be thrown off. You'd be like, this is some sort of scam. I don't know yeah. what I don't know what the scam is. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the scam. Yeah, they imagine an episode of the Spurs where Gargano just like goes on vacation for a week and the whole time you're like, This can't be happening. He just does <laughs> does therapy. Yeah. <laughs> There has to be a twist where he's going to kill Smurfs on, on vacation. And then he just he just sits in a beach chair for a whole episode, and that's it. Yeah. My God, that's so sad. Gargamel can't just enjoy a week of his life. You know, well, maybe he can. They just don't show that episode. Mm. Yeah, I think that's like a good way of of summing up uh, tunes, right? Like like what makes uh, every tune has a hyper specific and singular driving force and they really don't have a personality outside of that right sure. like they have they have a thing mm-hmm. and they do the thing mm-hmm. and they can't help it and it's an oddly specific thing sure you know and and everything else ties back to that yeah and i guess betty boops is to just be very sexual yeah yeah the yes. thing with jessica rabbit too like jessica just make men sus- horny That's she's not trying to make job. yeah she's not making anyone laugh no one's laughing and she is not bothered by that at all i would love to have that kind of discipline though you know, I think it's less of a discipline and more of, you know, almost like a obsession you know, or a malfunction of some kind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. God, this is a this is a rough analysis of these tunes, but I think I think it's correct. You know, we've got problems, but the people do as well. You know, everyone in this movie is messed up. No one's got it together. That's right. Yeah. Eddie kind of has this thing, too, but at least he has the capability to change. Right. Uh, do we have anything else for this minute? Well, I mean, we haven't talked much about what the will does for the plot. We haven't talked about like what the big, because it's kind of a big deal, this part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, I remember seeing it again and being like, oh, this is, um, it's Chinatown. Yeah. Right? Very similar. It's Chinatown is what's happening. It's uh, 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 trying to wrap up those ideas but it's basically the same thing right yeah and almost the same level as complexity um mm-hmm. as chinatown too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, really weird at a for a movie that many many kids will watch yeah right <laughs> right so I, I think that eddie like it, it's and again like bob hoskins does an amazing job of playing that moment right where he's like um oh shit that little baby tune was not lying to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there is something fishy going on here. And mm-hmm. I think his little detective bones are like, I want to solve this mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then his anti-tune bones, because, you know, people are allowed to have two two different driving <laughs> factors. And he has two and one's, um, you know, uh, detectiving, which he tries to uh, put to sleep with alcohol. Right. And the other is... Um, I hate tunes because they killed my brother and those yeah. are very much in conflict here. And I think, uh, I think he does wipe the snot all over his face to kind of just like get himself out of that conflict in yeah. the moment. It's a weird choice, but yeah. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's also like, I, I feel, I feel like his choice thinking about it and it's less, he's less angry about his brother dying. And more of the vibe is it's almost as if, his character is saying the words, fuck it, but he can't say fuck it. Bob Hoskins mm. is just showing you, mm. fuck it. Yeah. You know what? Fuck this. I'm going to bed. Yeah. I'm wiping snot over my face and getting mm-hmm. some sleep. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think I might have cracked the case, but you know what? <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. That's how much I don't care. Mm-hmm. He, like, he can't process the sort of, like, equal opposing forces of, like, really wanting to solve this mm-hmm. and, like, not wanting to get involved with tunes mm-hmm. at all, you know. Way to go, Bob. Way to go, Bob. He's yeah. Great. Yeah, cheers to Bob. Such a huge Bob fan. Uh, Annie, who's your MVP? My MVP is uh, it's um, it's Eddie's weird holster because uh, without that, without him getting sort of like tangled in his own holster, probably because he's drunk, uh, we don't we don't get this vital clue, and uh, it just you know it's it's not the movie that it is, right? Like we don't we don't compel Eddie to uh, to get involved. Um, great. Um, so any last thoughts? I just want to say I love the, um, Murphy bed. Yeah. You know, what a great, what a great way of visually showing that Eddie's just kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, and it does not, it on so many levels too. Yeah. Cause he it's lives not, in the office. Right. Mm. He lives in the office, but he doesn't want you to know that he lives in the office. He wants to look like he has filing cabinets, but yeah. there's nothing in there. <laughs> This is where I sleep. It's all bullshit. Yeah. In an office that he does not pay rent for either. That he just throws the rent right into the garbage. Class act. Uh, So that is it for today. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for joining us, Jason. Where can people find you at? Uh, They can look at my website. uh, Jason Shots. J-A-S-O-N-S-H-O-T-T-S dot com. Great. And... For those who want to join the Facebook group, we are at Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit listeners. Thanks again for listening, and we will join you on Wednesday for Minute 38 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit.